Kaiju Network's commentary of 1998's Godzilla. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host... Jason, what's going on, peeps? And welcome to 2021. That's right. Happy New Year. Oh, by the way, we got a special guest here, my son Lincoln. He's going to join us here for this commentary as well. I guess that's your high. So... (laughs) So, yeah, uh, this is a film I have been wanting us to do a commentary on for a long time, but we've been doing, obviously, other things uh, over the years. The last time we talked about this film at length was when we covered it. Um, gosh, it's almost eight years ago now when we did the regular discussion. I really? remember. Has it been I, that long? It was like March of 2013. Jeez. Um, so I remember I gave it a 10 out of 10, and I believe, if I remember correctly, you gave it a 7 out of 10 during that discussion. I don't know. I would have to take a look. But this is – anybody who's been a longtime listener of us uh, knows this is one of my favorite – not just Godzilla films, but one of my favorite giant monster films. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Part of it is nostalgia. Um, this was my first Godzilla movie I saw in theaters. I was – 13 at the time. Well, both of us, actually. Yeah, and I was 13 at the time when this came out, and uh, I was just blown away. Like, I love this Godzilla. I love this design. Um, I love the film, and and I understand, obviously, throughout a majority of the fandom, uh, this is a very reviled film. However, I have noticed over the last between five, eight years, somewhere in there, that a lot of people are coming back and saying, it is a good movie, but they're not accepting it still as a Godzilla movie, which is a real shame because it technically is a and, Godzilla film. And I tend to think that a lot of people aren't saying that it isn't quite as bad as they made it out to be for many years. Well, and that's the thing. I, I think because this year will mark 23 years since this film originally came out in theaters, and just I think with the passage of time, um, people begin to grasp certain things differently and, and become more accepting of things. Like, for example, and I'm not a fan of this movie, but an example of something like this is John Car- Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. The Thing flopped big time back in the day in theaters, but has become – a a staple for a lot of people in terms of of modern horror. Um, You you see this an awful lot with many different films where back in the day, the the movies were either reviled or, or were given mediocre receptions. And then over the passage of time, they become more accepted by a lot of people. And I think part of it is due to hype. Some people uh, may go into a film like this, having high expectations. And because of, of these expectations people have placed on the film, they uh, are, become disappointed when certain criteria in their mind are not met, which I think is very unfair to the film you're watching because until you see you, you, this is not your work of art. You know, you didn't create it. This is someone else's work of art. And it's fine to have certain expectations. But I think when so many of us, and I've fallen into this camp as well, when you go into a film expecting certain things to happen or or what have you, um, you get angry and or disappointed when some of that stuff either is partially met or not met at all. And I've 
come to a point where, like with Wonder Woman 84, uh, I get a rough idea of maybe what to expect, but I don't go in thinking this is what I want. And when I watch the film, I just sit there and I watch it and take it in for what it is. And I find that that creates some of the best movie experiences you can give yourself is just going in not thinking or, or, or hoping to see certain things, but just trying to get a rough idea of what you might see and then just sitting back, letting yourself be immersed um, in the um, in the film. So, yeah, uh, I uh, to me, this is an incredibly entertaining film. I love the Godzilla design. Uh, I think it's a very well made film gush about this film all day i i think it's a beautiful film it's it, like i said it's one of my uh all-time favorite films it's just i i love it an awful lot yeah i i seriously can't quite remember the last time i watched this movie but um i just bought the the blu-ray version of the film i would say maybe about two I would say maybe three, actually three to maybe four years ago to be uh, specific or broad. Now, I think that might have been the last time I actually watched uh, this movie was around that time period when I bought the movie. Um, and I think uh, when seeing it more on the high def or the 4K TV that I currently have, which is right next to my computer here. Um, it looks uh, a lot better uh, presentation-wise. Although the title card on the Blu-ray version of this, where they have it sort of scrolling, you know, through uh, downtown New York, there with some of that CGI, it looks a little bit outdated in a few areas here and there. But other, I think that's intentional. Yeah, but uh, other than that, as far as like the CGI and some of the things that if I could remember the last time watching this film on uh, my TV, but um, I'm not sure if I had the 4K at that time yet, uh, the last time I uh, saw this movie, but it looked a lot, the CGI looked really good. Yeah, and know, like uh, Jason and I we were talking before we came on live, I purchased the Blu-ray version of this film. It'll be six years. Jeez, where does time go? About six years ago this month. And I watched that version, I don't know, maybe like a week or two after I got it. And um, I had noticed, too, that the the CGI effects looked a lot better. Better. They looked cleaner on the Blu-ray version than they did the DVD version. I don't know when they placed it on the Blu-ray format, if they cleaned it up beforehand before uh, distributing it onto Blu-ray, or if just the, the fact that the Blu-ray format enhanced uh, the CGI that was in place. So I'm not sure. I, uh, I don't know sort and, of what the process and the history was when they produced this format for this. And I was show. just uh, telling Kent before uh, we, we went live here that uh, sometime down the road, I was looking at getting the 4k version of this movie and would like to see how that presentation looks on a 4k TV. Um, compared to some of the other 
uh, versions that I've seen or have heard. Like just recently, uh, they just uh, Warner Brothers released the the 4K version of the entire Lord of the Rings uh, films onto 4K, and a lot of people are having a little bit of mixed feelings on it as far as presentation wise because. As far as uh, transferring it to 4K, I think they use some kind of uh, technique where it sort of smooths some of the uh, presentation or the film and everything, whereas it should have been where they said it should have had some graininess to it, to where you know that it was how, like the actual footage and everything, how, how it was shot and, and, seeing it compared with the Blu-ray versions of those films with the 4K, you can sort of tell the differences and how well, the Blu-ray version looked uh, sharper, whereas uh, the 4K versions of those films seemed a little bit smoothed and a tad bit not quite as sharp, but you can sort of barely tell. Yeah, um, and I wished I could remember... Um, I, I wish I could remember um, what the um, um, technique was. I want to say it's telecine. In fact, that the, now that I think about it, I think that's correct in that um, like when older films are transferred over to Blu-ray, telecine is sort of a faster way of converting uh, shows and films into high def. The problem with that process, however, is that it doesn't go frame by frame. And obviously, if you go frame by frame and really try to do the best you can to enhance it, obviously, that becomes very time consuming. I'm sure it's probably really expensive uh, as well. And then I think it just also is, sort of depends on how these films were shot, what kind of cameras that they used. Exactly. I was just going to say that, too. Like, um, when we did the Rocky uh, films a number of years ago, four or five years ago, uh, I watched them on the Blu-ray version. And my understanding was, of, uh, of course, with those, like a lot of older films that are converted into high def, um, it is done through the telecine process. So there's sort of a mark against that. But I could tell, too, going through all of those films from Rocky 1 through 5, that there was a lot of grain in spots. Even my uh, Twilight Zone, original Twilight Zone collection, which is on Blu-ray, uh, you can easily see grain on it at points as well. Um, Again, part of that is through the process of, of telecine, but then at the same time, too, like you were saying, it is how they were shot. When you have inferior cameras shooting something and then you try to high def that, it's not going to look as great. And I remember talking to you when we did those Rocky films that I was really shocked at how grainy and sometimes shoddy the picture looked at various points. And I was so happy that I kept my DVD. I've come to a point where I think DVD is a better format, quite honestly, in my opinion, um, because you don't get – sure, like with a lot of the newer films, you're not going to get the sharper, you know, colors and, and pictures, but the d DVDs, especially with older stuff, it, 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 it doesn't bring that artifact and, 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 and that snow and, and the grain and stuff 
in. And so I think with something like Lord of the Rings, once again, because and I don't know where Hollywood is at, but my understanding is there aren't 4K cameras or something like that yet being used. Um, if they well, are, they're sparingly. Well, I know that uh, Chris Nolan, he most of the time he does use um, the IMAX, which is more or less the 4K formats or possibly even larger format, maybe 8K or possibly 16K for that matter. But I think uh, with 4K now sort of in common now, and then you got 8K, which is coming in pretty fast. Uh, I tend to think that they're probably going to be getting more. If not, they probably at least have had 4K cameras for some time. Yeah, and it just I, – I just think people need to curb expectations. But here's the thing. You know, we've been at this thing for what, like almost 15 minutes now. Let's start getting to the commentary here. Uh, like Jason, I'm using the Blu-ray version of this film. We are at the menu where it's got play movies selected. So yep. anyone who's not familiar with how we do commentaries, I will count down. I will go three, two, one, go. And when I say go, that's when you hit the, the select or play button on your player. And that's when we get started. So I'm going to unmute my TV here. Same here. Just want to make sure it doesn't get too loud. Darn kids. And <laughs> <laughs> All right. So are we ready? I am ready. All right. So three, two, one, go. Oh, shit. Play movie. <laughs> I didn't realize there was a sub menu there. I didn't realize that either. <laughs> if I would have right. known that. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to be transitioning over to the commentary cam here. Okay. So you want to see our ugly faces. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Warning. Attention. If you see like some of these, if you see like some of these movies, like at the very end, if you go like after the credits, for example, I think it was uh, the Polar, Polar Express. And I watch this movie every Christmas night. And once it gets to the end, I think there's a shit ton. I kid you not, a shit ton of like these warnings or attention, like in different languages. I'm guessing like I would say at best or at least twenty. <laughs> twenty of them. <laughs> they might have to do it by law. Yeah. Centropolis. I really like this because um, they, while they change sort of the origin of, of Godzilla for this film, how he becomes Godzilla more or less is the same thing. Nuclear uh, explosions, exposure to nuclear radiation. And you get that here through um, actual film footage of, of nuclear bomb tests. I'm not sure if every single piece of footage shown here is from the French Polynesia area, uh, 
but it's it is classic test footage from. <laughs> it said a toll something there on that one footage. Yeah, I didn't quite catch it all because I was looking at the camera. I don't know why I need to look at the camera. We're not even on. Yeah, <laughs> what are you up. doing? <laughs> yeah, one well, of the things I wanted to do for our year end episode was to talk about how this film. Um, really is so much more like a Godzilla film than what many people over the years have given it credit for. And I uh, had told all of you on that episode that uh, the reason why I didn't do it was because I had sort of forgotten the foundation of my thesis and argument for that. And since then, I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. That's not to say it's not there. It's just that I don't remember Um but this film, uh, I will argue, and like I said, I don't remember the, the full argument, but I think just even here with this opening, it is so much more like a Godzilla movie than, than what so many people have given it credit for over, over the years. But at least there are some similarities between this movie and the 2014 as far as sort of the opening where they have it like in yep. that south pacific area using some of this footage in a way i think the 2014 version used quite a bit less and then just you know did their own recreation of the events and all yeah that, obviously because showing godzilla in it whereas this one is just using actual post-world war ii footage and then mm-hmm. some, and then some, maybe uh, film that they've sort of recreated. Yeah, the insert shots of the the water dragons and iguanas and geckos on that island are insert shots, obviously. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I want to talk about before we even forget. Uh, is the amazing score for this film done by David Arnold. Um, This is an incredible score. Uh, I really enjoy it. I have listened to this score on several occasions. Um, Scores are usually hit and miss as far as whether or not you can listen to them well enough as standalone music versus when they're in film. And this is one of those scores where it works well. Yeah as a standalone listening experience. And also, he's famously known for doing the Independence Day score a couple years beforehand. Yeah. And see, I'm watching the Blu-ray version, as I mentioned earlier, and this picture is absolutely pristine. Uh, I think I even mentioned on a podcast a few years back that the Blu-ray version of this film, in my opinion, uh, is Probably one, if not the best presentation I have seen of a film that was not shot in HD, but they converted it fantastically into HD. Because uh, like we were talking about earlier, how like with the Rocky films and a lot of these older films, you usually get some sort of grain or artifacts when they convert the film. That's not the case here. Like if you watch this film and you didn't know much about the history of its production, you would assume it was shot in HD. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, as far because I I know we earlier we discussed about the techniques and everything. I would like to know what sort of techniques 
slash enhancements that they used to convert this film onto Blu-ray. Yeah, something tells me that they they had to have used a technique. And this is a very cool shot here with the with the Godzilla claws coming through the hull of the the ship here. I mean, this is such a fantastic opening. You, you, you know, you talk about creating. Um, you know, openings that kind of grip your audience. This is a and, perfect example of that. And like this scene here, it just sort of reminds me of Godzilla 1985 in so it many ways. It kind of does. And I think that it's – that's sort of the thing that they were probably going to go for was that uh, 1985 sort of vibe. And I think it really works, and then, of course, they enhanced it quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, Roland Emmerich, uh, he's similar to Michael Bay in which a lot of people give him crap. Uh, You can't deny the fact, though, that Roland Emmerich creates immensely entertaining films. I I own a number of his films, and I have found all of them to be very entertaining. Yeah, it's like – I think I've – This is my favorite of his, obviously. I think I've (laughs) – closest scene most of the movies that he has or the majority of them it's like i've seen 10,000 bc um is it 2012 obviously and then day after tomorrow in yeah um I and then have, of course i'd eat uh independent state resurgence yeah i have um stargate the film but i haven't watched it <laughs> Uh, I've owned that. That's one of the many films I I purchased, but just have not watched. Um, I think I have Stargate. I'm pretty positive I bought it. Let me just take a quick look on my shelf here. Hold on a minute. I'm very curious now because I thought I bought that. <laughs> I do own Stargate. But yeah, I, I think wasn't Geostorm also his, or was that just one produced by Dean Devlin? I have that, but that's another one I haven't let actually me, watched and owned it. Let me check. I'm here. looking at it here too. Oh, 2017. Holy mackerel, was that long ago? Shit. Directed by Dean Devlin. So no, Roland Emmerich had nothing to do with it. I've never seen that one, but I would like to see was it it looks like uh Gerard Butler was in Yeah, it? Gerard Butler's in it. I would also like to see his uh, new movie, Greenland. Uh, I'm not a – I haven't seen too many of his films. I have the Olympus Has Fallen trilogy, and again, like Stargate and like Geostorm, I haven't watched them yet. I own them but just haven't watched them. But uh, anywho, let's get back to <laughs> get back to the film here. Jean Renault. It seems like almost every movie that I have seen him in, he plays as a like a cop. Uh, you know, 
I think I may have seen him in one other movie a number of years back, but otherwise, I I don't watch his films because I've seen I've seen him at least in Pink Panther, the remake with Steve Martin. And Pink Panther. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, is it uh, Angels and Demons, which is that uh, Da Vinci Never Code seen those uh, movies. Those are actually pretty good. I just recently saw Inferno. Uh, but yeah, he was in uh, Angels and Demons. And all those movies that I mentioned, he was a cop in them. <laughs> Kevin Dunn as um, Hicks. Oh, man. I-, I love this actor. I love this character. He would reprise this role as Hicks for the animated series that was to follow, mm-hmm. uh, follow this. Um and of course, I, I love him in in the Transformers trilogy, the the first three films. Um, I think he just does a wonderful job there too. Yeah. And for me, at at least when it comes to Matthew Broderick in this film, I think he, for me at least, I think he did an okay job with it. I thought he did above average. I, I don't think it's necessarily excellent, but I thought he did well. Originally, I remember when the trailers for these were coming out, I thought Hank Azaria was going to be the star of the film. And, you know, found out that that wasn't, uh, that wasn't true. But I think Matthew Broderick still does a pretty competent job here. I mean, and then, I've seen far worse, but th- you know, this isn't even average. I think this is above average. I think he does well here. And uh, speaking of Hank Azaria, for me, I think he goes maybe a little too far with his role from time to time in this movie, but I think he does an okay job with it as well. There are some scenes, I will say, in this film where he could have done a better job with emoting. Um, before I even forget, I might as well just bring it up. Like the, the one scene in which the tape he had in his tent that ends up getting broadcast on national TV and the army brass is saying, you know, you gave him the tape. They got pictures of you. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, like I thought that was maybe his weakest moment in this film. Uh, otherwise, I think he does a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, you should with that uh, scene that you just uh, talked about, there should have been more emotion or reaction to that whole thing when it was broadcasted live and that it shouldn't have been shown. It's like, what the are you doing? (laughs) I'm going to murder that broad. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I think that is the, the worst moment he had in, in the film. Mm Hmm. There are very few moments in this film in which I'm not engaged. I am along with these characters. I like the diversity and personalities that we get with the characters here. This is a beautiful shot, too, like with the footprints um, and all that. I'm not sure. I have plenty of books on the making of this, and I just have not read them all. I'm not sure if those footprints were actually dug or if those were computer shots. Um, well, they, they would have to be dug, especially when – 
like the cast members were in that hole there and i think that one yes for sure is real but that overhead shot i'm not sure (sighs) well with that one old church building that they show there on that flyby that would have had been cgi at least possibly possibly yeah i mean i i love this film i am fully entertained and engage the entire time I watch this. This is, I think, with credits, it's like a two-hour, nineteen-minute film. The actual film itself is what, maybe two ten or something like that. Um, it's. They're not even seeing you. So why are you? I'm talking about when I'm. Yes. It's a split screen for starters. Second of all, that's what people are actually seeing. They're not seeing us. They're seeing that. Yes, but that's that's Jason's desktop. That's what we can see, but this is what people are actually seeing. You'll understand. <laughs> I forgot my train of thought, but... But in this uh, shot right here with this uh, main news anchor that... Oh, I forget her face. Uh, Maria Patillo? Yeah, Maria Patillo. Um, this guy right here, he's a, he was an actual news anchor over in New York. I forget which station he uh, anchored for. This is Harry Shear. Um, he, Hank Azaria, we'll see Nancy Cartwright for like a few seconds later. Um, they are all Simpsons voice actors. Mm-hmm. I know you did see him. You just don't remember. I thought, you know, this gal, when I first saw this movie, you remember us watching Wishbone way back in the day? Yeah. I thought this gal... And I could be wrong. I should look it up. But at the time, I thought this gal played as like the one neighbor gal or whatever in Wishbone. I don't know if that's true or not. Let me... I got to look here. <laughs> Let me check. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Oops. Not that I'm aware of. Okay, cast here. Let's click on this. I don't even know who the gal's name was. Let's see. It's not that gal. There aren't a whole lot of links here. Maybe not. Actually, you know, let me go look at... Godzilla 1998 wiki, and I'll be able to actually get a better idea of who this gal is here. Ah, Vicky Lewis. Okay, Vicky Lewis. Okay, so let me see here. Television. Oh, she was in um, Home Improvement. Seinfeld. Rugrats. She was in Hercules. No, she was not in Wishbone. But she looks she I thought at the time she looked very much like that gal who was in Wishbone. Mm-hmm. 
you're getting everything today here, folks. You're getting Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin filmography. You're getting, uh, you know, Wishbone and. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the last film appearance that she was in was back in 2016 here in Finding Dory. Dun dun dun. You're gonna die, Matt. No. <laughs> Apparently, she was in uh, Wonder Woman in 20, 2009 movie. Uh, oh, the animated one? The, yeah. I have that one. She plays as uh, Persephone. Persephone? Yeah, Persephone. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, it's not whatever. You gotta get it right, son. Shut up. Shut up. Because we want to leave that on. Me. We're having a spelling lesson over here. Oh, I suppose. I rem- This is one of the moments I remember very clearly seeing in theaters was... Um, the sinking of these, what, was it two or three uh, fishing boats? I think it was three. Because one of the things that I remember very clearly from this was not just because this is done very well, but as we'll see here in just a moment, one of the ships that ends up coming up out of the water after Godzilla has taken the fish, I thought was Godzilla coming out of the water initially. And then, it, you know, obviously it was a boat. Mm-hmm. So good. So entertaining, man. (laughs) Have I said how much I friggin' love this film? Uh, A bazillion times. That's not enough. So let me tell you (laughs) why and how much I love this film. No, please don't. I love it this much. <laughs> and it's and just by seeing all three of these boats being forced into the water there, it just just sort of shows you the incredible like strength and power that this Godzilla at least has. Well, yeah, because anybody who's like been swimming even, or out in the lake or whatever, and you have like an inner even, tube or whatever that you're trying to like pull under, that's not an easy thing to do. Even for how skinny this version of Godzilla is. <sighs> well, and just to produce this scene, you know, on set, I'm not sure if this is some big Hollywood pool set or what it is but the ability to pull that off and to make it look like indeed something's pulling them down and doing it all at the same time is incredible mm-hmm. I don't even know how they would want to fly in a thunderstorm like that well, planes are pretty safe. It's just like your cars. Like if you get struck by lightning while in your car, you're actually pretty darn safe. But you're safer in the, your car, honestly, than you are in your house. But then with all the electricals and stuff in the airplane, and if that 
gets struck. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but it would have to be a pretty precise lightning strike to like take out an engine or something like that. Well, what the hell is that? <laughs> Miss Old Nami. <laughs> and that guy, too, who plays Mendel Craven, also would reprise his voice uh, for the Craven character in the animated series. Mm hmm. Speaking of that animated series, I can't. <laughs> I, I also can't remember the last time I was watching that. Um, it the DVD, the complete DVDs um, collection for that came out. It was either 2012 or 2013. I want to say it was 2013, and I bought it, of course, um, and. I later that year decided I'm going to go ahead and um, go through the series, and I and I did. I started in late 2013, wrapped it up in early 2014, uh, and that was the last time I went through the entire series. I ended up uh, going through the Monster Wars DVD. I still have that one. I believe I do. Um, I went through that a couple of times, and I've seen bits and parts of other episodes over the the years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a fantastic series. I mean, that is also um, incredibly well done too. It's kind of funny though, you know, Hank Azaria, who does a lot of voice uh, work, didn't reprise his character's role for that. Although the thing is, his character doesn't show up a whole lot in in that uh, series. Mm-hmm. What? Golfo de San Miguel. I don't think that's right in Spanish. Let me look this up. Golf in Spanish. Oh, it is Golfo. Okay. It just seemed. It looks <laughs> it just. I think it said down below at uh, Panama. Well, yeah, but it was Spanish. I was yeah. like, are they being lazy with the word golf and thinking it's Golfo? Let's see <laughs> where in Panama that is specifically. I would think it would be on the uh, west side because they're in the French Polynesia. French Polynesia. French Polynesia is in the um, Pacific. Because it said, uh, like, in that one time when they were before that, they were flying over. They they were in uh, Jamaica. There. Yeah, Jamaica's in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's on the Pacific side of Panama, not the Gulf of Mexico side. Well, yeah, they said Golfo de, Golfo de San Miguel, so the Gulf yeah. of San Miguel. Yeah, but that that doesn't necessarily mean the whole thing. It can be like one small area like Tokyo Bay or 
uh, Gulf of whatever, like Gulf of Panama. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, from what I'm seeing here, it's sort of near the Panama Colombia border there. Where basically all the roads and everything stop short of the North American, South American border. Because I think, from what I've heard, that there's a lot of <laughs> violent stuff going on in that area. Already. Uh, here we go. Awesome shot. And no, that is not J.D. Lee's despite rumors. <laughs> I know he lost his fishing rod. Friggin' gorgeous. All the destruction. <laughs> Burn the place to the ground. <laughs> so here we are. We're not even 30 minutes in, and we're already getting Godzilla making landfall. A vast majority of this film's two-plus-hour runtime does focus on the kaiju. That right there is a practical. I would like to see how the whole uh, teeth biting thing into that uh, semi truck looked like behind the scenes. Yeah, like I've seen photos of some of the uh, practical effects used in some of the scenes that they used them in. And it's they had more of an extensive um, practical effects um, setup than what most people believe. Some of the shots that they wanted to use more practicals in just didn't work out or they were cut. Mm hmm. And also, and see all these cars too. Every single one of them has some sort of a, a device underneath them that makes them hop in in synchronization. And also, when it comes to these uh, Roland Emmerich films, he tends to use sort of mock versions of uh, was it Roger and Ebert? Like for instance, where you see the scene with. Uh, the mayor and everything those are uh caricature versions of roger Niebert. yeah and i know a lot of people roll their eyes at it but it's just like come on other filmmakers have done similar things before so here's nancy cartwright the voice of uh, bart simpson this one that's uh sort of the secretary on the phone yep there's barney That's a gorgeous shot. I can't think of another Godzilla movie that they did something similar to that prior to this film.
And of course, soon enough, we we're going to be getting that sort of uh, the famous famous shot that's been used quite a bit. A lot of those the, trailers, uh, yeah, in the trailers many years ago. <laughs> Get back here, you retard! <laughs> that is a word, though, that you will really, definitely not find in films, basically anymore, because everything's just and easy. for good reason too. I've seen some behind-the-scenes documentaries, and uh, one of the things I remember pretty clearly in terms of how they did this shot with the uh, footprint landing, and it smashes some of the surrounding cabs. And it's just so amazing how these um, uh, you know, movie makers are able to – do something where like what they ended up using were several beams and you know with precise you know with just absolute precision uh drop them to a point where they landed on the cabs all at the same time to smash them obviously because they're supposed to represent a giant foot coming down on them and then obviously using the cgi to match that i mean just the meticulousness and the work that goes into just creating some of these shots you know in a shot that only lasted for what maybe second and a half or whatever maybe I do. I would say no. <laughs> and I like that about this Godzilla, that this Godzilla doesn't try you know, to be the the big hulking mass of invincibility that we tend to get in, like, just about every other Godzilla film. I like the fact that this Godzilla tends to be more cunning, to be more animalistic, to um, uh, ambush enemies. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of people, need, even us, we tend to say... Uh, It'd just be nice to have, you know, have something new with the whole franchise. And this is initially one of those things that we get out of this movie is something mm -hmm. new. And for me, that's a different version of Godzilla, like the diff a different form, like different sort of intelligence in a way. Where mm -hmm. it can, you know, slip away without even being noticed. Whereas 
most of the Godzilla forms that we tend to be used to is, as you said, big, bulky, gigantic versions that yeah. almost invincible. Yeah, I mean, why do you want to necessarily see the same thing over and over again? I mean, it's one thing to have like a trilogy, you know, or a series, which is fine. Um, you know, like I enjoy the the MonsterVerse coming out of Legendary and Warner Brothers, but I I can see myself over time. You know, like if they kept making them for, let's say, the next 20, 30 years, I could see myself getting a little tired of that over time. And it's nice to have something different. And I've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast before, too, where anybody who knows anything about comics knows that Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, you know, many of these heroes who have been around for decades have undergone major changes uh, in their characters and their stories and you don't tend I mean what makes you think Godzilla's not going to do the same thing <laughs> and you don't tend to hear a lot of the fans of those uh comics or anything that uh they don't even nitpick at some of the forms or abilities for these uh certain characters yeah and that's one of the things that I love about the anime trilogy is that the anime trilogy in many um, areas, yes, is, is similar to what we've seen before in the Godzilla franchise. A hulking, virtually in, invincible uh, Godzilla for the most part. Uh, but a lot of the, the, the story and sort of the foundations of that franchise is different from what we're used to seeing over the years with different films. Um but, um, you know, and like I've said before with Shin Godzilla, I don't like that movie at all uh, because I think a lot of the decisions they made – first of all, one of the, my biggest problems is that none of the human characters are likable. Uh, mm. If you can't get me to be on board with at least one character, you're not going to get me on board. You've got to have at least one character. Nobody in that and, movie is likable. It just seems like they're, they weren't wholly – it felt at times that they weren't wholly set on what the main character was. I think towards towards the end of that film, it seemed like. Yeah, and um, there were certain changes that they made to the Godzilla character. I was not a huge fan of either. There were certain changes that were made that really um, had no specific reason for – happening other than the fact that maybe they thought it looked good visually um but in terms of execution and and what it means for the film and the character itself it meant nothing ultimately um and, and also the sound mixing within that film too it just the sound like that they just really either. they basically recycled most of the godzilla howls within that and it just sort of yeah. used like the original version all the way up to like maybe the uh the 85 version before he got frozen obviously yeah and i'm fine with that but you need to update him because it was very apparent and with some of the musical choices they made and with and some of those cries that it was the original source material you need yeah. to upgrade it and it just felt really out of place with the like the whole entire environment in the film itself. 
Yeah, it was nothing more than a giant um, pandering moment to longtime fans, which you can do that. That's fine. But there are better ways of doing it. I sort of like the little joke where they had that French roast <laughs> coffee thing. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty funny. I mean, it's not laugh out loud funny, but it gets chuckles. I think it's it's kind of fun. Michael Lerner, who plays Mayor Ebert, I think is I think he does well here. He he's both good in serious moments such as this. Um, he's also good uh, as being that kind of scummy pol- politician, like we saw earlier before Godzilla came down. Was it Wall Street? There, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then, well, kind of like there. And then, as we'll see at various other points during the movie, for for comedic moments as well. Hmm. Because we like the same things. It's that simple. <laughs> Tell him he why. told me uh, he's been telling me since Christmas. Next year, I want a beast man. <laughs> <laughs> Only if he's good for the entire year. <laughs> well, he's broken that rule many times at this point. We're only what nine days in. <laughs> and I love the fact too that this Godzilla burrows. Mm-hmm. Gives him another ability that is not only uh, realistically animal-like, but just. It's just kind of another ace up his sleeve. I I, I just like that. Well, and with him with this form of Godzilla, where it's just mutated, like sort of a mutated iguana from all the yeah, it's a water dragon, yeah, and everything. So it's going to have some of those certain uh, similar abilities as its uh, former part. <laughs> So what do you, what do you make of like the the sleeker design and the more dinosaurian uh, kind of approach to this Godzilla? I think when it comes to this one, to me, I think with what the team behind this movie was trying to go for, something a little bit more realistic in a way mm-hmm. when it comes to like all like dozens of atomic test scenes from decades ago after mm-hmm. World War II. And I can sort of see that if if something like that actually happened, where it's sort of mutated one of these like water dragons or Komodo dragons or iguanas, whatever, and it's sort of turn into something like this in a way. I can definitely see it see it more of a realistic version this way, whereas the bulkier version it, it, to me, it'd just be like the the form that we're mostly used to is something. It would, it would have to be a, a completely different uh, like lizard species to where 
be sort of like a hybrid, like a human hybrid, human lizard hybrid, to where it could be that way. This one, I think it'd be more of a realistic approach. Yeah, well, and when they made Gojira, you know, almost 70 years ago, here's our French roast thing again. Yeah. Um, the paleontological evidence at the time, they believed your uh, theropod carnivores stood up, stood straight up, and they had their tails dragging behind them. Mm-hmm. And, um, they uh that that's kind of what they believed was going on at the time now obviously they believe that dinosaurs the theropods were more down and kind of parallel to the ground mhm why it's saying you that's what i look like on there Oh my gosh. This is a line that a lot of people groan at, and I just roll my eyes when people say that. And I go, you guys are just looking for something to nitpick. You know, if, if that's your biggest problem with the movie, then the movie's doing a pretty good job. <laughs> I, I think it's a chuckle line. Because it is a lot of fish. A hundred pieces of them. And we're approaching 45 minutes here, and we're going to get our first military engagement with Godzilla here. And again, you know, unlike some movies where um, some fans dislike the fact that you're waiting a long time for the kaiju action to take place, this movie I find is decently paced where, you know, every 20 or so minutes you're getting full-blown Godzilla action. And I Uh, think, you know... and I think that this movie is, is sort of balanced where it has, of course, at the beginning, the steady, steady uh, area. And then, of course, you get some of the action and then levels down, blah, 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 sort of like a kind of like a nice balanced roller coaster in a way. Mm-hmm. And basically, you're not really taken out of the movie at any certain point whatsoever it's like you're basically immersed in it yeah the entire way
you. <laughs> oh, that could have been bad. <laughs> and then we give here one of the feature shots of the whole entire film here. Yeah. One of the money shots. Gorgeous. And like the music here, I really like how the music is inserted for this shot. I, I do too. Yeah, the, the uh, it. I love the fact that it um, it does. I mean, you get Ifukube, which of course celebrates the the grandeur and the power of the monster, but here it's it's. A, it, it portrays Godzilla as a wondrous thing of nature, something to not only behold, but something that is beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. Just listen to that music. I mean, it is... It's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. As far as the whole soundtrack goes, compared to the other Godzilla movies, how would you rank this one? That's really tough, because obviously when you have so many movies, there are going to be a lot of good scores, and there are some really good scores. Um, We talked about... uh, I think it was maybe early last year when we were going through the first 23 films of the series again, that I thought the Godzilla 2000 score was incredible. And I still believe that it's really tough for for me to say as far as where I would place, I would say this would for me have to be in the top 10 somewhere exactly where I don't know, but I think it's easily top 10 for me. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, with that building blow up, I think that's maybe a loft or something. I would like to know if there were actual people in that. <laughs> well, as we saw earlier, they were really trying to evacuate uh, New York and I think part of New Jersey as well. I mean, most people, by and large, at least in this Manhattan area, uh, according to the film, are gone. Mm-hmm. And yes, folks, that is actual fire. <laughs> you see it coming right out of his mouth. The end of discussion. That is fire. This Godzilla breathes fire. <laughs> Ooh, 
there's some gorgeous shots in through here, like with him in the background cutting through the buildings. Um, you see his immense size there. He's luring them, and he was just waiting for them to catch up there. You know, I wonder if, like, all the buildings in this scene here, I wonder if a lot of these are practical. Um, I If they are practical, they're models. Well, that's sort of what I was getting at. T-Bone going to get in trouble here soon. <laughs> Gorgeous shot again. I mean, I think something people take for granted. The agility and swiftness of this Godzilla here. Oh, snap, Mr. Maya. I also like how some of the buildings that Godzilla climbs on can withstand all that weight. Yeah. Well, and the fact, too, that he can actually climb them. Mm-hmm. Oh, T-Bone, you're paying for that. <laughs> you destroyed a landmark. <laughs> oh, schnart. I also like how they add in it came uh, from beneath the sea there. Yeah. That was on the TV <laughs> God, there. So it's kind of like, <laughs> don't, uh, don't steal, guys. Seems like you just blindly shooting. It's like, why don't you just stop, save your bullets until you see it? <laughs> that makes too much sense. <laughs> I also like how he just creates a diversion. Like punch exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. You think you got me? Oh, you got me. Oh, oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> and then he just basically comes out from behind. And then now he's on the offensive here. Exactly, yep. He's not echoing anymore. 
like you said. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want any kisses. Leave me alone. You see all the smoke kind of where like some of the combat occurred. The funny thing is I never noticed that until this viewing. I couldn't quite see with sun of reflection. Does it bother you that this Godzilla doesn't have the invincibility that we're accustomed to seeing? A little bit. It is sort of hard to get used to at first, but I think over time you sort of get used to it. Um, It never bothered me. I mean, even the very first time I saw it, because first of all, I knew that this was someone else's interpretation of the character. They were wanting to do something different than what had been done before, and this was sort of their vision of what they wanted the the character to be. Um, and I think, though, too, it, it just... I think it makes you feel for the character more, especially later. And with the fact that this particular Godzilla is so fast and agile that in a way it's able to protect itself even from that. And the fact, too, this Godzilla, as we saw during this initial uh, assault from the military and even later when it is eventually killed, it can take quite a beating. Mm -hmm. Well, like with – that uh, chase scene there where the helicopters were shooting their machine guns at Godzilla where you see some of the like the bullets and stuff going straight at him didn't really affect him as much right yeah and those are some pretty powerful bullets I mean those are um, I think Apache copters if I'm not mistaken 50 cal maybe I I don't know or a bigger caliber 50 cal you know 50 cal can tear a person in half yeah, I don't know if it's a higher caliber or what. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure, sure exactly. either. But all I know is that they are powerful. Hmm. And they finally meet up. And you know, like sort of a long time with Audrey here. I sort of, I sort of had a little crush with her for. <laughs> oh, I have too. For many I mean, years ago. This, is, this is a good-looking woman. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I do remember growing up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know, I get it. She never it. really had much of a of an acting career. I think she was even an episode of um, what was it, Grace? What was that show on NBC? Um, Will and Grace. Will and Grace. I think yeah, she was on there. I think for an episode or two. Mm-hmm. Like you look at her filmography. I mean, she's done this, and I think maybe a couple quick some TV shows, and that's about it.
Yeah, basically, her last film appearance was in 2000, called uh, Dirk and Betty, and she was uh, Betty in that one. Oh, never heard of it. And between that movie and this movie, uh, she was in a film called After Sex. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, that one I do remember because years ago I was looking for stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And however, in her TV appearance, the last time she was last seen was uh, in 2008 called Big Shots. And apparently she was in an episode of Friends in 2003. And she was in that uh, Allie McBeal show too. Here's where Nick eventually gets into trouble. Well, it wasn't intentionally his fault, though. I know. I'm not saying it, it was his fault, but he will eventually get into trouble. Our main character. Don't worry about it. sort of like when it comes to that scene with the top secret quote unquote video and everything I'm just like I mean when Godzilla came into New York there for the first time you had of course citizens and everything that came into contact with Godzilla already know about it and then they would question how long has this thing been on earth or where has it been until now? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think for some people, they would have thought this is the first place the creature showed up in. And to make it top secret, if it were to get out in public, 
it would tell the public, hey, this creature has been around for a little while and your military knew about it. Why didn't they do more to prevent it from making landfall in New York? I think that's where they are most concerned. Taco Bell. I can still remember those commercials. I was watching some of those like 90s YouTube commercial channels and stuff, and uh, they were showing like variant Taco Bell commercials of that promotion. One thing I wanted to talk about initially when we opened up this film, and I'm surprised I forgot about it, and it would be awful of us if we didn't talk about it at all. The marketing campaign for this film. Oh, yeah. It was just ridiculous. I still I still remember New Year's Eve 1997, and they – did this perfectly where I think and we were living in the central time zone and I can't remember if at the time it was getting close to like 10 o'clock central time or what it was but they timed it to where it was like the ball was dropping and we thought that they were already doing it and just like what the hell (laughs) and then and we're just like wait a minute what's going on and then you know you hear boom and people are kind of like huh like boom and we're like wait a minute wait a minute that's that that's not good like are these bombs like what what's what's going on here and then the tail comes by slaps the the ball off and then it's like 1998 the year of godzilla and then we're just and then i like yeah you and i would just like look at each other for the like at the same time we were just like holy shit Like there's a Godzilla movie, Mom, Dad, a Godzilla movie. We're gonna go see it <laughs> next year. <laughs> and then that was also in '98, the same year when we went to uh, when we came up here to the Twin Cities for a vacation for the first time. And I can still remember when we went to Mall of America for the first time here. Oh we, man, we yeah, just went all merchandising over, all over the place, even some of the toys and video stores just found literally tons of everything Godzilla related. Yeah. I mean, this was during a time in which typically you had like maybe one or two films that were considered kind of the, um, the big summer blockbuster films. And this was one of them. And Star Wars episode one a year later would do something similar, but it wasn't quite as extensive as what they did with Godzilla. Um, this the marketing and the merchandising campaign for this film is unlike anything I have ever seen before or since. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Star Wars Episode One a year later came pretty close. And of course, since then, you know, obviously there's been a ton of Star Wars merchandise. But even then, in terms of just marketing, Episode One was nothing like what they did here for Godzilla. I mean, it was this was one of the not just one of the biggest and broadest marketing campaigns ever it was one of the smartest marketing campaigns and ever i probably ever. would have to say out of all the godzilla films in existence the 98 version i would say light year is the biggest marketing campaign even compared to the 2019 and the 2014 films well, yeah, and part of that is because since, 
like late 90s, early 2000s, the summer has come to a point where it's not just maybe one or two movies that are the focal point of the season. You're having multiple movies that are the focal point. Part of that, I think, is the result of uh, of the big superhero boom we've been going through. You're, you're going to experience multiple superhero films typically over the course of summer. And not just that, but just bigger summer blockbuster type films in general. Like you'll get like maybe one or two films in June, another one or two films in July and another one or two films in August, you know? Oh yeah. Sadly, here's the uh, unfortunate scene that we talked about earlier (laughs) about being the weakest. Yeah. It's that, that's the pretty unfortunate. I also like how Jean Renault basically knew by instinct, like we're gonna we're gonna need him. <laughs> well, and you know he's he's the f- kind of um, oh I don't think it's the French Foreign Legion. Um, it, kind of a kind of a black ops sort of guy you know spying and and bugging and all that stuff you know i mean this is part of his job is to know this stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just thought about you know, she approaches him, you know, I stole the tape, and he's like, you son of a... And he just, you know, winds up with just the biggest right haymaker and just walks her in the middle of the street. <laughs> and you just hear this, and she hits the street. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> It'll come up, son. <laughs> Just a bunch of funny things came through my mind as the scene is unfolding. (laughs) I'm just thinking of stupid stuff. (laughs) Beautiful. Again, pristine picture. I mean, it's just amazing how... They transferred this over to high def. And also, you know, um, when we were talking about the marketing here, like when we discussed the whole New Year's Eve thing, there, you remember that uh, one commercial where they had at the museum? Yeah. Where mm-hmm. they had, I think, the curator with children and I think some of the adults there that they're going seeing this T-Rex and then you, all of a sudden you see this huge foot smashing the T-Rex <laughs> yeah the the uh, tour guide says something to the effect of and Tyrannosaurus Rex the largest carnivore ever known which is not true by the way um, and you know 
T-Rex was the most fearsome dinosaur to have ever lived. And then boom, boom, smash, crunch. (laughs) Yeah, and I was just reading up here, and apparently that uh, teaser was budgeted at 600000 That's a lot of money just for that. And then the Taco Bell uh, marketing for this film. Uh, all that was twenty million. I mean, again, in nineteen ninety-eight, during this, you know, just a little bit before this movie premiered, and then you know, in the in, in the um, uh, you know, successive months. Godzilla was everywhere. I mean, you know, there was yeah. the Taco Bell tie-in merchandise. There was tie-in merchandise with several other companies. Uh, Godzilla toys, Godzilla T-shirts, and remote control stuff, and and cushy balls, and buttons, and pins. I mean, just about anything you can imagine. Fruit snacks. I remember oh, us yeah. having Godzilla fruit snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, man, Godzilla was everywhere. And I remembered even then, um, I kept thinking to myself, soak all of this in because it's very likely you will never experience a period like this in your life again. And by and large, that's true. I mean, sure, Kaiju have come back and have been a big part uh, of pop culture, which is great. But we've never since this film have experienced something where it was just in your face. I probably probably would also say early to mid-90s until that period was when we got sort of the rise of the Godzilla merchandise starting with Godzilla King of the Monsters with uh, Treadmasters, and then later on, uh, Godzilla Wars. Saw those things over at Walmart, Kmart, all over the place. I can still remember us just walking over to the Kmart about a few blocks or so away from our house for many, many years ago, just seeing what they had. But yeah, I mean, it was just phenomenal. And I still remember like Toys R Us after we had moved, uh, you know, Godzilla Wars by that point, the the Treadmasters uh, second Godzilla toy line came out and they would have this large section in this one aisle devoted to Godzilla, King of the Monsters and Godzilla Wars and um, just phenomenal. And then that ridiculous Tarzan toy line. Oh, yeah. I can, I can remember that. And we would go there, and you and I are like, why is this dumb Tarzan stuff there? Like, <laughs> yeah. No one's buying it. And people are buying Godzilla stuff. Look, but no one's buying stupid Tarzan. <laughs> it just seemed like that they were just trying to put that toy line in your face. It looked like it. Well, I think the company, and I forget who even made that, but I think um, obviously they were pumping stuff out like crazy. I think there was even a brief cartoon series on that. I think sort of like uh, Beast Wars, where it was like computer animation. I think. I think so, if I can remember. I remember like the villain was some sort of predator squid head like 
alien guy. <laughs> and I remember at the end of one of the toy commercials, he'd be like, Tarzan! Yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that what comes up from Victor Pallotti earlier in the movie telling Audrey to, you know, have some cojones ends up playing out because a lot of times you bring something like that up, it never really is played out or pans out. Mm-hmm. French wackos. Is that a technical term? <laughs> Apparently, the earliest Tarzan film ever to be made was back in 1918. Based on the first part of the novel. Yeah, Edgar Rice Burroughs was the author who he wrote, I forget how many novels, but he wrote a fair amount of Tarzan novels. Yeah, apparently it looked like that they did all the sequels. It's like the first one was Tarzan the Apes, based on the first part of the novel. Romance of Tarzan in the same year, and then Revenge of Tarzan, based on first part of the Return of Tarzan novel. You live in New York City, like, sure, I, you know, running into a rat can't be pleasing, but I would assume on some level you just have to expect that as a part of everyday life to some degree. And then also you'd probably be one of those that would uh, believe in some of those urban legends like gators and sewers <laughs> or something there. There is, uh, and I'm sure you probably know this, there is a minor league baseball team that came into vogue 2016 or 2017 called the and they're affiliated with the Yankees called the New York Pizza Rats. <laughs> I wouldn't be a bit surprised. 
Here, let me pull up some stuff here. I want one of their ball caps. I've been wanting to buy one for a while because it's pretty cool. And then you have one of those that are like uh, Akron rubber ducks. There's like this that is another that's... cool one. I like that. Lansing has a Hispanic. They're part of a Hispanic league, and they uh, the Hispanic league that plays over at the Lugnut Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's called the Lansing Locos, and the logo is of like this owl, where it has a crazy face, like it's going nuts. <laughs> oh, Staten Island Pizza Rats, and then uh, and then. I would say one of my favorites is uh, the Montgomery Biscuits. Well, I've never heard that one. I, if you really love crazy, um, crazy team names, minor league baseball is the place to go. Like at when you, when you go on the website here, it sort of looks like you're at a pizza restaurant website. <laughs> I know. It, it's so great. It's one of the things I love. And then there's one with the Lansing Locos. I just said Spanish Baseball League. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like how they have the Lansing Lugnuts merchandise above. I would touch the forward. Well, look at the subway car. It's tilted gravity sir isaac newton what do you think do you think some sort of monster okay or is it a pizza rat (laughs) i just sent you something there What is this here? It's an alpaca. (laughs) Smoking a joint, is that it? (laughs) Oh, I like, there's one, was it with a leopard or something with some sort of billy club or whatever? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Flying squirrel. (laughs) Again, minor league baseball. If you want some of the... Oh, there's a site I wanted to show you. I think and uh, speaking of minor league baseball, uh, the Twins, like during this offseason when minor league baseball was canceled, that uh, Twins dropped, uh, was it the Roche- their Rochester minor league affiliate? And that they're now, but they now have invited the St. Paul Saints to be their affiliate now. So now they're no longer going to be in that independent baseball league. <laughs> Makes sense. Awesome shot of Godzilla there climbing out. Saw the the texture of the skin there. <laughs> so what I the link I sent you there that is a site devoted to independent artists submitting artwork for hats and so the artwork is on there i think for like a month or a couple of months and what ends up happening is people vote by placing pre-orders and the design that gets the most 
pre-orders, they actually turn that into a hat, and the other pre-orders people make, they're refunded. So it's a vote by pre-order. So they actually make some of that stuff, depending upon how many pre-orders they get. And these are all limited editions. Like, they make them for however many pre-orders, and that's, and I think they sell them for a short period of time after that, and then that is that. That's pretty dope. Yeah, it is cool. Here we go with Godzilla. Wonderful shot here into Central Park. We keep talking about a few other things here. We keep getting off on other <laughs> subjects. Talk about rats, and then we talk about pizza rats and minor league baseball. And then, <laughs> and then with the whole Twins and Saints thing, that uh, Saints are now going to be in the Triple A's, just like uh, the Iowa Cubs. Oh, that's not bad. It's not bad. I like this shot here. You get Godzilla in all of his glory. He's checking things out here. You see the texture of his skin. I really enjoy I love the jaggedness of the plates, too. This Godzilla, to some degree, almost reminds me of it in terms of its mannerisms as cat-like. Cat-like. I just sent you another link here of what the Saints sort of made with their merger with the twins. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's old school looking, but it's kind of stupid too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's get back. I remember the part we just missed. It was like maybe 30 seconds ago where Godzilla kind of went, oh, he kind of was had that low pitch growl. I remember this is another shot I remember clear as day sitting in theaters where when that low pitch growl occurred, the the theater shook a little bit because of the bass. It was I, I remember that clear as day. Mm hmm. I also liked here how Godzilla knew with with how everything was set up that he knew that something was going to happen there. Yeah. Showing off its agility again. See, look, they're shooting all that stuff. Sure, it's dodging some of it, but it's still getting hit. I mean, this Godzilla can still take a punishment. Yep. Whoa, no doubt. Cool. And that is an awesome shot. I like that part. So cool. I like it's George Washington Duke from Rocky Five. <laughs> He at least got his life straightened out. He's now an admiral. <laughs> you know, now I just realized that. <laughs> I like how they make Godzilla swim. Of course, it's based off of Water Dragon, but still, this was really the first time we saw Godzilla swim. Now, yes, in Godzilla vs. Bailani, we saw, I think, two underwater scenes. But what it was, when you look closely, it was just like a Godzilla figure or something like that. 
going through the water. Like there wasn't any swimming physical motion to it. It was like a stiff marionette or something to that effect that they brought along through the water. Yeah. Um, for for those two scenes here, we're actually seeing it swim. Yeah, it's also pretty interesting that all the American versions of the Godzilla films, like this one and the 2019 film, that they were the first ones to actually at least show him, like with this one, show him swimming for the first time underwater. Mm-hmm. And then with 2019 showing like his home, like his home yeah. base. Well, I mean, you could argue with Toho Monster Island and all that. Yeah. Yeah, it can go either way. Just for good measure, we're going to make sure that you go down. Boom. It's like the whole water had a volcano under it. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> Just have him watch the movie Volcano. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. <laughs> I've been meaning to. I'm looking at that. I'm like, I need to watch that. And then I just kind of forget about it. (laughs) Oh, the 90s. 90s were a good time. They were. Although that's easy for us to say because we were kids growing up. <laughs> Although from an economic standpoint, too, it was a wonderful time. So even the adults were doing pretty well. <laughs> oh, <it> was... <laughs> He's trying to burrow. He's trying to escape. Can you get off that, please? It's kind of like limiting me as I move here. What's limiting? Limiting. It's not giving me many options. I remember, no joke, I was tearing up at this moment in the theaters. I'm like, no! (laughs) (laughs) And then I kept, and then after a bit, I'm thinking, I'm like, no, like, they can't be doing that. Like, (laughs) not so soon. (laughs) Basically knocked unconscious. It's kind of like a, like a, deep sleep almost I guess but you're not sleeping it's hard to explain not the garden (laughs) oh Man, now I'm pissed. (laughs) (laughs) I would hate to be walking through all that, like probably stepping on all the fish, just (laughs) like you're crushing ribs and stuff. It's just like, man. Or potentially Godzilla poop. (laughs) 
I wouldn't worry about that because it would be pretty obvious when you came across it. You would smell it before you saw it. <laughs> It'd be like that one big pile from uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> It'd be bigger than that. I mean, like, that's a bigger than Joe Tech. Well, of course. <laughs> How those eggs feel about wet between And they what? It's just part of the egg laying process. How'd all that stuff get underneath the ground? Godzilla burrowed under there. I remember when they were when they got to this point where the one soldier was going, and you will, and you will write. Uh, and we were seeing all these eggs here, and I'm, I remember thinking to myself, "Oh snap, these guys are in trouble." <laughs> well, yeah, just when they only showed a few eggs, and then they just expanded out till they turned on the lights in the stadium. Yeah, there, right here, showed a, a shit ton of them. It creates for one of the most exciting scenes um, or sequences, I should say, that I've seen in film. Like just the fact that there's sort of this mild claustrophobia that you're in this. It's a decent space, but you by and large are trapped. There's really no way out. And, you know, you have all these baby Godzillas that are going to hatch. They're hungry and just. Oh, man. Like, I get kind of caught up in some of the action here because what ends up happening is I sort of place myself in that situation. And I'm just like, man, you know, you're caught in there and just virtually no way out. And, you know, the one thing that I also sort of question over the years is with all these eggs spread throughout the entire arena. Like, how did Godzilla <laughs> able to get all these eggs <laughs> in the arena with this, with the limited amount of space, without even being noticed? <laughs> You're putting too much thought into this. <laughs> Still, <laughs> Jason spends part of his free time thinking about the egg laying process of reptiles. <laughs> Well, I mean, you have to you, wonder you, with... You've opened up a window into your daily life. <laughs> well, I mean, you just have to wonder with <laughs> with how all these eggs were placed. No, I look, if I'm being honest, I've thought about it too. But then I've realized, look, this that's not something you're supposed to think about. Because, look, we're in a movie about a giant monster, right? <laughs> you know, that can spit fire. And that's what we're concerned about. Like, <laughs> and then now all the eggs start to hatch. Thank <laughs> you. 
We don't have fish in the house, bud. <laughs> what is he now hungry for fish? <laughs> he says, "I want, I want uh, fish for dinner." <laughs> well, maybe I'll make. Well, no, I can't do that tonight because <laughs> I'm making burgers. But it's like I can probably do some uh, beer battered shrimp tonight. <laughs> but I'll probably do that for tomorrow. I just like the combination of the practical effects and the visual, like CGI of the baby Godzilla's here. Yeah, I, I mean it's a it, it is a good blending. Again, it's it's an one of many things that the film just does not get enough credit for. And as mentioned earlier, they had more practical effects, but some of them either just didn't execute properly that the way that they wanted them to, or were filmed and just cut. I'll take the right arm. If I were in that situation, I'd be like, what did we do? <laughs> we trapped ourselves.
ladies and gentlemen, cell phones before they really became a thing. Bricks. (laughs) (laughs) Although they were much huge back in the 80s or so. I know. You just have to watch the movie Wall Street (laughs) and watch Michael Douglas. Big ass bricks. I heard him say in an interview afterwards that he felt like his forearm was going to fall off. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny, though. <laughs> it would be. And it probably would be true if he did say it. They're trying to escape, bud. Dude. The look of horror on his face. Also, like with the music in this entire Madison Square Garden scene, how it just sort of builds up. Yeah, it is a it is a slow build up. You get when the lights in the arena turn on, you get kind of this, you know, dun 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 type of music, kind of like boom. This is what you're going to deal with, and then things kind of gradually speed up to a tempo that is kind of like a racing type of uh motif i guess I, I mean i'm not a i'm not a musical person that 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 under that knows a lot of musical vocabulary but um i'm trying to get him bud talking about why do this to the other baby guts 
because they just want to get away. They, they're selfish. It's like you pushing your sister to get something, right? <laughs> Close the door. Close the door. That one has popcorn on the side of its face. I never noticed that until this viewing. <laughs> I just like how they just stand there. <laughs> like, uh, what? And that, I think, was another fun moment. I Some people may roll their eyes at that. I think it's a nice little chuckle moment. Mm-hmm. Wrong floor. Like, you know, it's just kind of, I mean, you can't take things too seriously all the time. I mean, you, you know, you know what movie you're making, you know, you got to add a little bit of humor. Like a couple of years ago when I was thinking about this movie, uh, I thought, okay, maybe my biggest criticism of the film is that maybe this Baby Godzilla scene goes on just a bit too long. And then I've seen the film. This, I think, will be, I don't know, my third or fourth viewing since since then. And I'm like, no, it's just perfect. Like every single moment matters. We cover every individual soldier. Uh, it doesn't actually drag. It's entertaining. I'm invested in, in what's going on here. And yeah. And plus, too, this has been sort of a background buildup, um, really, ever since they found out Godzilla was pregnant. Hmm. Like, you knew eventually you were going to see a baby or babies. Yeah. <laughs> Get a gun. Shoot. Shoot the door. And you're reading some of the sides of the numbers are running. I also like how they added uh, one of those ID4 figures. Yeah, I noticed that too. I think that was think like that a was nice little the exact same one that I used to have. I wish like I hadn't an, gotten rid of mine. It's like a nice little Easter egg. Or maybe in this universe, ID four did happen, and now Godzilla is the one <laughs> that's next. They rebuilt New York pretty fast, if that's the case. <laughs> Or maybe it was, it's a prequel to ID4. It could be. Thank <laughs> you. 
the proposed sequels that we would have gotten for this um, sounded very interesting because you know you got a similar the the way the animated series played out at least during the first couple of episodes um, would have been kind of similar to how at least the next movie and I think part three on some level uh, would have played out like um, I forget because it's been a while again since I've done extensive research on this film but I forget sort of what the bad monsters would have been I kept thinking like a queen bee or something like that I can't remember if that's true but I thought at one point too someone said that um, some of those ideas were occasionally inserted into the animated series yeah I think so too from what I've heard but yeah I was just sort of reading up on that on the whole supposed trilogy to this that it seemed like that they were already in pre-production the year after this movie was released but then there was just a lack of enthusiasm yeah and this movie did well financially i mean despite the sharp drop after week two um of this movie's premiere if you adjust for inflation this movie did even better than the 2014 and 2019 godzilla films did Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, I do remember at the time they were saying pre-production was underway, but just because of not so much critical reception, but because of fan reception, they, they abandoned uh, they, they abandoned the proposed trilogy, which to this day still makes me incredibly sad uh, because I really think um, we would have had a, a really fun trilogy here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I keep telling myself, well, the silver lining is at least you got this one. And I go, yeah, that's true, but I wanted my other trilogy. <laughs> and then, of course, the year after that, you get uh, Godzilla 2000. follow those orders yeah reading up on the supposed godzilla 2 for this uh trilogy and that the offspring to godzilla would fight a, a giant insect at sydney yeah that sounds very familiar now yeah He's from France. this last sentence here when Sony had the license 
to Godzilla here. It said that Sony had considered a reboot with a new series disassociating itself from the 98 film. Say that again. So uh, reading up on the supposed trilogy here, I was reading up on this uh, last sentence here that uh, Sony had considered a reboot with a new series disassociating itself from the 98 film. I can't remember if I knew that part or not. Because I know Sony did have the license uh, to Godzilla for quite a while. Mm Mm-hmm. Because initially, when plans for that 94 film fell through, um, and I can't remember if Sony TriStar had the license then or if it was a different company, but when they finally got things underway, being able to get Emmerich and Devlin to do this one, um, they, you know, obviously had sequels in mind out of the gate. Yeah. And, and during while I was reading this, here um let's see here however studio band plans for sequel due to lack of fans audience theory uh and emmerich and devlin left due to budget disputes devlin stated they wanted to tailor uh the film budget wise so it didn't make sense for us creatively devlin stated that they left the film with an open ending in case of films Successes, uh, success allowed them to return for sequels, despite Emmerich's comments that Sony was absolutely ready, quote-unquote, to produce a sequel. He later revealed that he advised the studio to not produce a sequel, stating, It's so strange because people expected it to be the biggest thing ever when it only did well. They are disappointed, and you have to defend yourself. Yeah, I mean, I remember... Um a lot of people over the years have been complaining that um, I forget the original budget for the 94 film that was asked Um, and um, I want to say it was like maybe 120, 130 million perhaps, I don't remember and then a couple years later you get Devlin and Emmerich coming in doing this and they asked for a, a little bit of an increase by like you know, like 10, 20 million and Sony TriStar gave it to him. And a lot of people uh, in over the years have been kind of like, well, then why didn't you do it in 94 and all that? Well, I mean, things are a lot more complicated than that. And you also have to understand that, um, you know, Emmerich and, and Devlin were the, you know, a couple of the hottest uh, producers and directors in Hollywood at the time, because, well, what happened two years earlier, you had independence day mm-hmm. and, that at the time was i think the biggest hit in all of cinema yeah this i always thought was a pretty sad moment here the destruction of the baby godzilla's here (laughs) yes and then shortly after that you get a pissed off godzilla because they would get out and create more And I remember in the theater the first time watching this, I'm like, yes, he's still alive. (laughs) (laughs) This right here, I I think, is kind of touching, too. He sees one of the the babies and he tries to 
wake it up here. Street Arcade Shopping Mall. <laughs> Remember arcades? Huh? What are those? There's still one in uh, Mall of America. That's awesome. And then, of course, if you go to Japan, there's so many of them. Uh, a lot of them, I think, are what is it, Pachinko or whatever that game is called? Well, that. It, that's sort of a little bit like a casino thing, but uh, you got the Sega arcades and everything there that they have, especially in uh, the Akihabara district of Tokyo. I like how you can start a car with a pocket knife. Yeah. Have you tried that before, Jason? <laughs> Meanwhile, out in Jason's car. <laughs> All right, folks, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, no, that probably would cool. uh, F. <laughs> F up the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You would realize you couldn't do it. And you're just like, son of a... <laughs> Maybe I'll just do it to your car whenever I get to your place. <laughs> My car is newer than yours. If if you do that to mine, I will make sure your car is damaged beyond repair. <laughs> well, I plan on getting talking. a I'm planning on getting a new one hopefully this year, so <laughs> then I will damage your new one. Regardless, whichever car you're driving, I will damage it. <laughs> and I will make sure that yours is damaged beyond <laughs> no, I, no, you started it. <laughs> no, you're the one that started it. It can, yeah. You saw it earlier. How did you? You were staring right at the TV. <laughs> Nutball. I just don't want to then you need to work on your your focus, and you and you need to you just need to work on your memory skills, pal. <laughs> you know, just something as simple as Godzilla slipping like that. Like it's a nice touch. It just it adds another level of just kind of I, I guess realism and. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I really am in awe of this film, just sort of what they've done and all that, that 
you know, I, I know for the most part we've been talking throughout most of this film. Some of it has nothing to do with the film mm. <laughs> or is like six degrees of Kevin Bacon offshoot. But, um, <laughs> but like, this is a really entertaining, well-produced film. And I just, I get into it. Like, I could sit here and say significantly less because I would just be so invested in what's going on here. Yeah. Look, Lincoln. It's like when that happens, I feel like something happened outside with um, the volcano. <laughs> what? <laughs> Every time I see the MN44, I'm like, Minnesota 44. (laughs) (laughs) See, look, there's the MetLife building in the background that we saw earlier. That's something that's barely in the picture, and they kept that in. Continuity. I mean, genius. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Again, that kind of reminds me of like a cat or something. I really do believe that there are some, whether they realize it or not, some feline tendencies to the personality of this Godzilla. Hmm. I'm going to start getting upset here pretty soon because I do not like the ending to this film. <laughs> it, it makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was, you know, we can't rewind it obviously for the commentary here, but you should have seen Audrey's face as she was sitting in the back of the seat. I was just, I was just like, seeing I've it. I've never seen that before. I just saw it too without you really saying it. It's just kind of like this what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> I do not like seeing this part of the ending. I know. So the thing coming up here, there is some practical effects uh, being taken place here. Hank Azaria freaking out here. Ran his mouth. You're going the wrong way. (laughs) 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 Oh, and this makes me cringe. 
Oh man. Yeah, with the electric <laughs> electric oh. wire. Again, just the agility of this Godzilla. I mean, it's awesome. It's beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. I remember I had cheated uh, back before this movie came out because there were like, you know, junior novelizations and children's books that were already out. And one of those books, I'm like, I want to know what happens. And I'm like, I kind of think I know what happens, but I I need to know. I need to know. And one of the books, you know, I read, talked about the ending. So I knew how this film was going to end, unfortunately, before actually seeing the movie. (laughs) So you're sort of already disappointed. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I knew immediately when they were talking about the suspension bridge while they were still in the tunnel. I'm like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, this makes me sad. Me too. I'm like, that was cool. And I really feel for this Godzilla. It's one of the few Godzillas that I just, I really have a lot of sympathy for. It's the same thing I like And the music again by David Arnold. Mm-hmm. Why are those? Why are there some big? Because that's where it got hit, bud. This ending, in terms of like you know a character dying or something like that, is one of the few movies that even after all these years, still gets to me. Hmm. And the little cry here. You're pulling at my heartstrings, Emmerich. (laughs) Why did you have to do that? Why couldn't you just blown everybody up and just stood on top of a hill and reigned supreme. (laughs) I'd be okay with everybody else dying, but not Godzilla. (laughs) Again, this movie looks so gorgeous in HD. And the light goes out.
Well, I know. Well, they've been evacuated. They want to go back to their homes and... Right here coming up, I think, is probably one, if not the funniest line in the entire film. Hmm. I'm going to kill you! Oh, Cisco put one on you. thing I did is just give you <laughs> communications from Nick Dutapolis there. <laughs> so much for that exclusive. Now no one gets it. She quit. <laughs> Ooh. No one will ever know now. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It'd be funny if Matthew Browderick was like, what? I was hoping to document all of this. No, I'm just joking, pal. Just some insurance guy. <laughs> he will insure that you. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to document everything that was going on in your life. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't made for TV. Insert commercial here. <laughs> Ah, but ladies and gentlemen, not every baby Godzilla was destroyed here. Well, look. Ah, but it will. Oh my god! <laughs> Some puff daddy. Yeah. 
<laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, is 1998's Godzilla. Uh, I'm ready for round two. You ready? Ready to go, Jason? I hope you have nothing else to. Um, I think I'm good for right now. <laughs> as, as much as I want to watch it again, I just got some other things to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a longer movie. But yeah, I, I mean. I could go on and on about this film, and and uh, I'm kind of disappointed we got sidetracked as many times as we yeah. did about Wishbone and other things uh, over the course of the the commentary. But it's just a domino effect; one thing led to another. Um, but nevertheless, like I said here, like five ten minutes ago. I could sit here and for the two hour, 10 minute time that the movie is actually going, I, by and large, I probably could stay quiet throughout a vast majority of it because I just get so involved within this film. Um, again, I, I can't really say much more about it. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I would be up for doing another commentary on this. I mean, there is so much to, to learn about this film. This film is incredibly entertaining. Um, I'm really sad that it's over now, that that this commentary journey that we have been on with this film is now over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just uh, – I'm sad <laughs> about it. Like I said, I'm kind of disappointed we got distracted as much as we on a, on a few things. But um, mm-hmm. again, this is a film – this is an incredible movie. I, I just um, – I love it to death. Um, it's not just one of my all-time favorite Godzilla and Kaiju films. It's one of my all-time favorite films. Um, I still – it's one of the best times I've ever had at a theater. Um, I just – I love this film, and, and it's just – it still saddens me we never got that, uh, that proposed trilogy. But again, silver lining, at least we have this one. Uh, to go back on and for 23 years it's been entertaining the heck out of me and and i just this is one of the few films uh out of thousands that i've seen over the course of my life that every time i watch it i still am enthralled with it that i just i'm there i walk away with it with a big stupid grin on my face uh and i'm ready to hit the play button again um you know, but it's a it's a time investment. Yeah, I mean, it's you know the actual movie when you don't include the credits is probably what two hours ten minutes or something to that effect. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just I I love this film. I love it. I think it's very fun. I love this version of Godzilla. I like the I like this vision of Godzilla. It, this is an alternate vision where not only do I give an A for effort, but I buy into it. I love it. I love what I see here. Um, I love it. I just love it. it, it I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good thing to watch it for the first time in uh, the last few years uh, since the last time seeing it. And uh, I think over the years I get more enjoyment while watching the movie um, and while seeing it for the first time in the last few years and especially seeing it on a 4K TV here that the picture quality even just 
not as the the 4K version of the film here, with it just being a regular Blu-ray, still looked pretty damn good on a, a UHD 4K TV here. And uh, I I noticed some instances, you know, especially towards the end when Godzilla falls on that uh, taxi car mm-hmm. and stuff, there were maybe some of the visual effects looked a little bit outdated or sort of it was just sort of out of place. Uh, but nevertheless, it still looked pretty damn good on a 4K TV. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it is a beautiful film. I mean, uh, and I will admit, too, yeah, some of the visual effects and some scenes like um, – a couple of, of moments during the baby Godzilla sequence don't look the sharpest or the best. Um, but by and large, they, they, by and large, the visual effects throughout a majority of this film, considering how many there were ultimately, um, they still look very good. They still by and large hold up. Well, yeah, there, you get a few moments here and there that, that even for 1998 standards weren't up to par. And obviously through time, you know, don't age well either, but I would say, I would argue 95% of the visual effects in this film have aged well and still hold and, up like almost two and a half decades later. And then especially with the, with the amount of practical effects that they have in this movie, which I sort of forgot on how much that they did uh, use practical effects wise for the film too. And yeah, it's just still a really good film after these many years i was was it oh close getting close to 23 years <laughs> after this movie was uh released man hard to believe and then also the music still just as good as ever that i can remember yeah i mean david arnold's uh score is just incredible uh, it just yeah it, it's it's good. It just is good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, just thinking about, you know, while watches, watching this movie and then just thinking about, like, some of the reactions from the people for all these years and stuff, it just seems like a lot of it is just, you know, blowing smoke. I think, and I think there's just a lot of the things in this movie that it just seemed like it was just sort of overblown from a lot of people in their reactions. It is. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, we're even seeing some of that, like with Wonder Woman 84 right now, if anybody's been paying attention to that. Um, you know, it, we're, we live in an age where the internet and social media and all that people, negativity sells. Um, and negative, you know, negative articles get more hits than positive articles do. That's a fact. Um, there's been plenty of research on that. And at the same time, too, everybody thinks that their opinion is is valid. And, and in many ways, it is. Everybody, everybody counts. Um, 
but at the same time, I think it's it's sort of quote unquote cool uh, to just dogpile onto a movie. Um, you, you see it happening almost all the time now, and that's incredibly unfortunate. Uh, granted, you know, when this film came out, it happened at a time in which the internet for home usage was at its infancy. Um, you know, you didn't have the people online like you do now. There was no such thing as social media at the time. Uh, the closest thing you had to it were things like forums um, and us know. doing our uh, NCW thing <laughs> at that time too <laughs> yeah and I mean it just um, it, it just it still saddens me that um, you know this film has never really been given the chance that I think it deserves I think it's still uh, an incredibly fun film and I love it and I've gotten to a point where as I've gotten older I start gradually caring less and less about what people um, think of me and, and just some of the things that I enjoy because I'm, you know, you just kind of as you get older, you experience life enough to where you you just start kind of, I guess, realizing what's truly important is just part of the natural change uh, as a person gets older as well. And um, yeah, I, I just... I, I just kind of gradually get to a point where I'm not caring too much about it. Like I've even noticed myself um, uh, over the last maybe year, year and a half, while I still will defend this movie, I defend it less because I'm thinking to myself, it doesn't matter. Like this is one person's opinion. Sure, they may be uh, talking about it in a way that I think is really unfair and and doesn't really look at the film in a way that gives it credit for what it deserves, but I'm not going to change that person's mind. I love it. I'm not going to listen to him because I don't want the negativity to affect, you know, my mental well-being and sort of my enjoyment of the film. So just, you know, well, I, I can't kind of leave it alone anymore. Well, I can't really say anything about the new Wonder Woman movie right now since I haven't seen it yet. So um, it's a wonderful, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, other than that, uh, should we just uh, kind of end it right here? Yeah, so just to give everyone a heads up, uh, two weeks from now, on January 23rd, we are doing the 1933 King Kong commentary, the original. <laughs> King Kong, and it's and it's been about uh, also eight years since we've uh, last touched yep. upon this. <laughs> yeah, um, I believe really after we did the discussion of this film, Godzilla ninety eight in twenty thirteen, March was Kong month because at yeah, that point celebrating Kong, the eightieth eightieth anniversary. Yeah, yeah. So we did a whole Kong thing uh, in the month of March, and I think even a little bit into April. Uh, as well so um yeah so yeah it's been nearly eight years since we last covered this particular film uh as well but this time we're doing it in commentary form i'm pretty excited about doing this one as as well i think that was probably the last time i watched uh con was when we talked about it the last time i watched this particular version was december of 20 2019. That was the last time I saw this version. Jeez. <laughs> 
So uh, with that, uh, thanks for watching us and uh, make sure to look forward to, was it uh, January 23rd? January 23rd. Yep. Awesome. And same Kaiju uh, time, same Kaiju channel. <laughs> and uh, just to make sure to listen to us uh, everywhere, just just uh, look at the, uh, the listen uh, and uh, watch anywhere uh, thing down the ticker there. Or you can uh, find us over at our website at daikaijunetwork.com. And you can watch us uh, live from there as well. And even on our uh, Facebook page and YouTube channel so uh, once again thank you guys so much for watching or listening to us we hope you enjoyed it uh and and my giddy fanboyishness for this film <laughs> all right guys and we'll leave you with the music and we'll take care see you guys